Okay, if you have a Bible with you, if you want to find uh, John chapter 16, John is the uh, fourth book in the New Testament. Uh, If you don't have a Bible with you, don't worry about that. The words will appear on the screen behind me in a moment or two. We're actually starting a new series today here at Liberty Church. We're going to spend the next roughly eight weeks um, talking through um, and looking at the work of the Holy Spirit uh, in our lives and in our church. Um, and we're doing that for, for a, couple of, a couple of reasons. One is that I guess it's, uh, if you were to come to our welcome lunch, uh, what we normally do is talk, give you a little bit of a broad picture of who we are as a church, and we tell some of our story of how we got to where we are today. And as part of that, we normally say there are three kind of fundamental values that we're trying to build our church upon. We want to be, uh, first of all, a church that is centered around Jesus, that's a kind of gospel-centered church, uh, that we're wanting to build everything on the work of who Jesus is and what he's done in our lives and how that affects everything that we do, uh, both as individuals and as a community. So that's the first one. The second one, we would say this, we're a church uh, on mission, that the people of God are a people that have been sent by God and sent to serve this city that we, we, we're in. This is why we meet here in this building in the center of the city. Um, this isn't cheap. This actually costs us quite a lot of money. Um, but we're here for a reason. We could go out into a, a school out in the suburbs, uh, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but we feel one of the things that God has called us to do as a community is to love and serve this city of Amsterdam. So that's why we're trying to build a church right in the center of the city to love and serve this city. And the third kind of characteristic of who we are as a church is we're what some people would call a charismatic church. Now that word charismatic or charismata means basically the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the grace gifts of God. What I mean by that is we're a church that believes in the work of the Holy Spirit to empower us, to fill us with his power, to help us to know him, but also to help us to experience him and to go about his mission together. So we thought we wanted to actually spend a little bit of time over the next few weeks of really digging into what that means and what we, what we believe about that. Because what we want to do is build that on a, on a kind of a robust biblical foundation because for some of you who are from a church that wouldn't use that sort of language, you probably come and think, and think whoa, okay, these guys, they're going to go really crazy and loopy now. Because uh, that does happen in some churches. Their theology around the Holy Spirit is a bit, you know, over here somewhere. And what we want to do is um, build it on a, on a biblical foundation. We believe that uh, everything that we're going to teach through is, we're going to teach it from the Bible, I'm not just going to tell you lots of wacky stories of experience. Hopefully there will be some stories which will provoke you and excite you, but we want to build this around what we believe the Bible teaches about the work of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to spend some time exploring that as a church. And I guess more than anything, our, our desire is that as a community that we grow in, in, a, in a hunger for God, in a desire for him. We believe that we can know God, um, not just as you would know a character in a story, 
not that just we know God as in we've, we've studied him, we've understood certain things about him, we have a kind of systematic understanding of who God is, that's important, but we believe we can, we can experience God, that we can feel God, that we can know him as we would a friend or a parent, that there's a connection we can have deep in our hearts with who God is. And our heart is that as a, as a church, as a community, and for you, that you grow in your hunger, your desire to know more of God, more of him. So we're just going to read one verse, uh, one verse together, and then I'm going to pray. So this is from John 16, so this is Jesus talking here to his disciples. He says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is your It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Let me pray. Jesus, we thank you so much that you came. You were incarnated. You came to live amongst us. And that we know a God who who you personally know what it's like to be us. (laughs) You've experienced, you know humanity. Even now, you're fully God, but fully man. You're, You're like us. And yet you promised to send someone to help us even more, this helper, this comforter, this consoler, to come and live within us now. And that as a church, as a community, we're now a temple of the Holy Spirit. And I pray that as we go through these weeks, I pray this morning, we we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would be at work deep within our hearts to illuminate, to show us more of who you are, to point our hearts and our minds back towards Jesus, to get us thrilled and excited about your incredible love for us. Pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You, can, you will find, probably in this church, in lots of churches, uh, even maybe in your own personal life, that we talk about Jesus a lot. You might talk about God the Father a lot. But often you'll find is that we don't often talk very much about the third member of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. That's, we don't tend to use him even on our language, even on how we, how we would talk here on a Sunday, how we would talk in our, our lives. We don't tend to talk about the Holy Spirit much. You can go into some churches and it can feel a little bit like they believe in uh, God the Son, God the Father, and the Bible. You know, those are the things that, that it can feel like it's built upon. And yet we believe in a Trinitarian God, three in one, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And Although we might be sometimes reticent or feel, for whatever reason, some kind of handbrake that stops us from talking about the Holy Spirit, this verse here that that Jesus comes and speaks to his disciples is quite profound. Because he's basically saying to them that it's better that I go. Jesus is saying that it's better that I leave. It's better that I'm not here anymore so that you can have the helper. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. It's it's to your advantage, he says. Because, you know, we could sometimes think, maybe sometimes you'll even pray like that, like, God, where where are you? Surely it would be better if I just had Jesus with me 
That would solve my problems. If he was just here, I could just ask him a few questions. If, you know, I could even, I'm not sure I even really believe if I could just see him there in front of me. If I could just have Jesus, if we could just have him with us now. But actually, Jesus says to us, no, that's not what you need now. It's not what you need anymore. See, John Owen, one of the great Puritan writers, he said this, and his language is a bit clunky, so I've tried to translate it for us a bit. He wrote this in his book, uh, Communion with God. He said, the presence of the Holy Spirit with us as the helper is better and of more value for us than any bodily presence of Christ can be Now he has given himself as a sacrifice for our sins. So John Owen's just commenting on this verse. He's saying it's better for us that we have the Holy Spirit with us now. It's it's better for us. And that's as we go through this series, that's what we're going to unpack. How is it better for us? What does that mean that it's better for us that we have the Holy Spirit with us? William Tyndale said, where the Spirit is, there it is always summer. Where the spirit is, it is always summer. You know, it's this time of year when we move from kind of the gray darkness of spring into the gray darkness of summer, you know, <laughs> desperately yearning for just some heat of the sun on our faces. You know, the warmth of the summer sun just brings us life, just refreshing. You know, that first time when you feel like you've just been locked in this cold winter and then you feel the warmth of the sun, yes. That's what it is when the Spirit shines his love into our hearts. It just brings a warmth, a joy, a peace. It doesn't fix life. It doesn't mean that suddenly we don't have hardships, hardships struggles, trials. But overall, ultimately, we know it's summer now because God's with us. He sent the Holy Spirit to live within us, to dwell within us. So it's summer for us. So who is the Holy Spirit? That's what we want to start by looking at. Who is the Holy Spirit? First of all, he's a, he's a person. You know, there's a clue in the question. I'm not saying what is the Holy Spirit. Who is the Holy Spirit? I don't say what is Len. That would be a, be a bit rude. But we ask, who is Len? You know, what's, what's he like? What's the Holy Spirit like? Who is he? The members of the Trinity, Jesus, the Father, the Holy Spirit, they're, they're persons. They're, 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 we can know them. Even the language around the Holy Spirit, it says in Ephesians 4 that we can, we can grieve the Holy Spirit. It's a very human emotion to have grief. We can grieve the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 9, it says the Holy Spirit comforts us. This is a beautiful verse in Acts 9, where it says the church throughout all Judea and Galilee, Samaria, had peace, was being built up. And they were walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. That's a great way to walk as a church community, in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Again, very personal personal language, and yet we can talk about the Holy Spirit as he's some kind of power that kind of zaps us, you know, this like electricity that kind of bursts us into life, and there is a dynamic power in God in the Holy Spirit, 
But yet the language often the Bible uses about him is much more personal. He comforts us. We can grieve him. It says in Romans that the Holy Spirit prays for us. He's a person. Not only is the Holy Spirit a person, but he's God. Perhaps the best definition would be the Holy Spirit is the manifest, active power and presence of God among his people. The two words that the Bible uses, the Hebrew and the Greek, is ruach and pneuma, which both of them mean like wind or breath of God. You know, wind, a wind is something you feel the wind. You know, you get up to close to someone and they breathe on you and you feel their breath and you hope they've brushed their teeth, you know? You can feel the breath of God on us. That's what the Holy Spirit is. He brings life, energy, but not as something that's somehow detached from God, that God kind of just shoots it down out of him, and, but God's not part of that. But no, the Holy Spirit is very much God himself. So when you experience the Holy Spirit, you experience God, the Spirit of Jesus. We experience him. It's a divine person. See, in, in um, 1 Corinthians, where Paul talks famously about the church being the temple of the Holy Spirit, as we as believers carry the Holy Spirit within us as his temple. But in the, even in the book, Paul interchangeably, on one hand, talks about that we're the temple of the Holy Spirit. On the other hand, he talks about us being God's temple. He uses both phrases, we're, we're, we're God's temple, we're the temple of the Holy Spirit. And he's saying the same thing, because <laughs> he's saying to us, no, the Holy Spirit is fully God. He's not somehow detached, not somehow this weird power sent out from God, but he is God himself. And the Holy Spirit carries a, a distinct role. He has a purpose, very much equal with the other members of the Trinity, but with a particular purpose an activity that, that he does, that he works out. He's sent by the Father and the Son and he's poured out into his church, in, into us, into our hearts. You receive him, sent by the Father, sent by the Son, into us, to fill us, to dwell within us. So what does he, what does he do? And that's the question that we'll spend most of this series trying to unpack. What does the Holy Spirit do? It's an important question to wrestle with. First of all, he gives life. Perhaps the, one of the main big ways you could describe what the Holy Spirit does is he gives life. In, in some of the early kind of creeds that the first Christians wrote in the Nicene Creed, they, they write about the Holy Spirit, that he is the Lord and giver of life. And they get that from right, if you go right back to the start of the Bible, Genesis chapter 1 says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the earth. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. So right there, right back at the very beginning of time, you can even try and imagine that in your brains. That will probably cause some sort of fuse to blow in your head. But the Holy Spirit was there, hovering over the waters, like poised, ready to order and complete God's work. 
The Father says, I'm going to do this. And the Holy Spirit says, I'm coming. Yes. Let's go, let's go make it happen. Let's breathe life into it. It strikes me it's exactly the same as you find as, as a kind of a, 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 a picture there that we see almost in, in the Pentecost story. That Jesus has come, he's died, he's risen again, and his disciples are waiting. It's like the Holy Spirit is waiting, poised, hovering, waiting to come and bring to complete what Jesus has started. Jesus says to them, wait, wait for the Holy Spirit. And then he comes and fills them. It's the same Holy Spirit hovering over the waters of creation, ready to come and complete what God has started. The Holy Spirit hovering, waiting to complete what Jesus has started, to bring order, to bring life into his new world, into his new community. And he brings life into this creation, but he also brings life to Jesus. It says in, in Romans chapter 8, we were looking at this verse a few weeks ago when we were talking about the resurrection. It says, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. The Holy Spirit breathed life into the dead body of Jesus to resurrect him. The Holy Spirit again bringing life, giving life. Even to, even to the Son. He gives life. And he also gives life to us, as it says here. The same spirit that breathed life into Jesus' body comes and dwells within us. It says in John 3 that we're born as new creations in him, that we're born of the Holy Spirit. That when we become believers, there's the Holy Spirit work within us to initiate this new birth. He regenerates us. He recreates us. Does this wonderful work within our hearts. He breathes life into us again. He's the giver of life. He's also the empower. He empowers us. He brings power. And again, he, he, he brings power to Jesus. If you read the Gospels, particularly the Gospel of Luke and the Gospel of John, you find again and again that Jesus talks about where his his power comes from. He quotes from Isaiah in Luke 4 and says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Jesus ministered out of the work of the Holy Spirit within him. He was empowered, filled with the Holy Spirit. And the same, same way he, he gives power to Jesus, that he comes and gives power to us. You can read it all the way through the, the Old Testament. You see God coming upon people Often for just a particular task, particular thing, God fills them. The Holy Spirit fills them for his mission, for his plan. And then it promises in, in Joel at the end of the Old Testament, God promises that he's going to come one day and he's going to fill all of his people with his power. You find now after the day of Pentecost that he's filled us with his power to go about his mission. Each of us who are believers in him, strengthened by him to do his work, empowered by his very presence. And we're given this power to build his church, to go about his mission, but as well, you're, you're given a power to experience God, to, to know him. No matter what the season of life that you're going through, whatever battle or struggle or pain, 
the Holy Spirit can break through all of that so that you can experience the depth of his, of his profound, marvelous love for you. You can have moments where you feel like it's just darkness, that everyone's switched the light off. You just feel completely alone, and yet the Holy Spirit can break in and bring life. Comes and reveals the heart of God to you, empowers you with his love. He's the empowerer. He's also the purifier. Remember that he's called the Holy Spirit. <laughs> the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit comes upon us, he, he sanctifies us. It means he, he begins to start making us more like Jesus. He changes us from the inside out. So we go through this series. Again, we're going to look at that a little bit more, but it's important we recognize that. We don't want to just think about the Holy Spirit as this kind of power that gives us all these crazy things to do. But he, first of all, he's coming to make us more like Jesus. He's speaking into your hearts, into your lives, to, to do something within you. And his primary purpose is to create you into more and more of a worshiper. <laughs> it's his first mission, to draw your hearts into more and more worship of the Father. That's what the Holy Spirit is doing within you. He's purifying you. And he's also revealing. He comes to reveal to us, firstly, he comes to reveal to us who Jesus is. He even comes to reveal to us more of himself. It's a funny thing to get your head around, but the Holy Spirit is witnessing to our hearts. He's telling a story to us of what God is like, of what he's like, of what the Father's like, of what Jesus is like. The only way really we can know more of God in any meaningful way is if the Holy Spirit is at work within you. In, only, in, in any way that really counts, the only way we can know more of God is when the Holy Spirit moves in your heart. It says in John, John 15, this is Jesus speaking again to his disciples. He says, when the helper comes, when the Holy Spirit comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. That's what the Holy Spirit comes to do, to bear witness, to, to point, say, look at Jesus. Look how amazing he is. That's what the Holy Spirit will do in your heart. I want to finish by looking at a, a list. Again, this is from John Owen, who wrote this beautiful list of what the Holy Spirit does. Or, more to the point, how does the Holy Spirit reveal to us Jesus? First of all, the Spirit brings to mind the things spoken by Christ. So even, even to, he's promising that to his disciples, to the apostles. Sometimes the question will arise, how do I know if the Bible is true? How do I know if the, 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 the kind of the accounts in the New Testament, the Gospels, the letters that Paul writes, how do I know that they're not just made up, that they're just Paul or, or Peter or whoever just going up with their own crazy stories? No, Jesus said to him, no, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit and he's going to reveal to you who I am so you can tell others about it. I'm going to give you this story, this account for you uh, uh, to remember the right things about me, remember who I really am, to document it, to tell others. But it wasn't just to his apostles, he, he comes to us, breathes into us. 
to remind us about what he's like. Next one, he, he, the Spirit glorifies Christ. He makes him glorious in our hearts. The Spirit bears witness that we are the children of God. We're going to look at that next week. That's one of the most beautiful works of the Holy Spirit, that he comes sometimes where you might doubt or fear or think, am I really a Christian? He comes and breathes into your heart and reminds you of what's really true. J.I. Packer in his book, Knowing God, said that's, that's what it really means to be a Christian, is that you know God is your Father. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He comes and says, look who your dad is. Look who cares for you and looks out for you. The next one on the list is the spirit of adoption, very much talking about the same thing. He comes and calls us into this family. We're adopted as his sons and daughters. The spirit seals us, talks about in Ephesians 1. 2 Corinthians, it says the Spirit gives us a guarantee. The Spirit is like this deposit, this guarantee in our heart, this promise of eternity with him, this promise of this inheritance we have in God. All of this is, you can look up all these verses later if you want. They're all there in the New Testament. The Spirit anoints believers, it says in 2 Corinthians. He, he comes and gives us what we need. He blesses us. He's the spirit of supplication. He's the spirit of prayer. You know, every time we come and pray, the Holy Spirit is at work, helping us even to open our mouths and get the words out. That's the Holy Spirit at work, helping you to pray. If you ever feel like, oh, I just, I just find it hard to pray. If you ever feel like that, then welcome to the club. <laughs> we all feel like that. Sometimes the best way to start praying is just say, Holy Spirit, help me to pray. Just help me. I'm not sure I even have any words. It's first thing in the morning or it's last thing at night and I've, I've used all my words for today. They're all gone. Holy Spirit, give me something to say. Maybe you don't want to pray verbally. Maybe you just want to write things down. Holy Spirit, help me. And he will. He'll come and bring this inner witness to your heart. He'll help you. That's what he does. He'll help you to pray. And then lastly, the Spirit sheds God's love abroad in our hearts. It's John Owen quoting from Romans 5 where it says this, hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. I love just the language of that verse. It's it's not that, that God's love has been kind of written down and shown to us. Like here it is documented. Read about how much God loves you. Or it's not even that he's given us like a sprinkling, like a blessing, like a, a taste of his love. But it's been poured out like a flood, like an overflow, like too much for you to bear. That's what it is to receive the Holy Spirit within you. It's something that's poured out like a flood into your life, into your heart. Because the things, when we, I was quoting from Tyndale at the start, you know, where, where the spirit is, there is always summer. To know God isn't like, it's not just a kind of a sense of 
like butterflies in your stomach when you first fall in love kind of moment. It's not just like the kind of the heat of a, a lamp upon your face, like a moment of warmth, but there's something overwhelming to the love of God that the Holy Spirit lets us into. He kind of draws back the curtain so we can know more of him. John Owen tries to describe this in his book, and he says this, the comforter gives us a sweet and plentiful evidence and persuasion of the love of God to us, such as the soul is taken, delighted, satiated, which means that word, a bit of a funny word we don't tend to use anymore, but it means like, like full up beyond satisfaction. You know when you've been out for a meal and you've just eaten far too much and they bring out dessert and you eat that as well. You know, you just, oh, I couldn't eat another thing. Oh, but maybe, well, this looks nice. Oh, I think I might have some of this. And afterwards you just thought, oh man, I've, 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 I'm bloated, I'm like engorged, like, oh, too much. <laughs> that's what God wants to do in your lives. That's, what he wants, that's how he wants to pour his love out into you through the Holy Spirit. It's like a taste or a glimpse. It's, it's this sweet, pleasant, beautiful thing that fills you to overflowing. It's like, oh God, too much. I can't, God, I can't have any more of you. That's what he wants to do in your life. And you might feel a sense of, look, well, I've never really, I've never really felt God. Or maybe some of this language is unfamiliar to you. Maybe even the idea that God could speak to you, that you could hear God, just seems like this alien thing. You think, I'm not, I've never experienced that. I don't know what that's like. Well, I would imagine here that actually we probably all have in lots of different ways. You know, if you're a believer in Jesus, that very first desire within you, that very first kind of tug on your heart that you should commit your life to God, that was, that was God speaking to you. That was the Holy Spirit at work. You didn't save yourself. You didn't make that decision God broke into your life and said, that's it, I'm having you, and drew you to him. So even that, that nudge within you, that was God speaking to you. Perhaps the main way for many believers that God speaks to us is actually through conviction. You know, when we've, we've done something that we regret, when we've sinned against ourselves, against friends, against family, when we've sinned against God, that sense of remorse and regret that's God speaking to you. Have you ever thought of it like that? That's God speaking to you. That when, it come, when it turns into a condemnation, that's not God, that's, that's you misinterpreting it. But that initial nudge of, oh, I shouldn't, that was a mistake. You know, I've sinned, I should not have done that. That was God speaking to you. That was his grace just breathing into your life, drawing you back to him again. If you consider that, you think, well, we've all heard from God then. <laughs> we've all experienced that conviction of sins. But even, even better, it's not just a conviction of sin, but it's the kind of the follow-up that happens after that. When the Holy Spirit doesn't just convict us, but what he's doing is he's drawing us right back into the heart of God's love for us. 
And then when you bring back to mind just the sweetness, the delight of his forgiveness, have you ever felt that? I've sinned, I've blown it, but Jesus is amazing. I'm, I'm forgiven. I'm forgiven. He set me free by his grace. That God the Father looks on me now and just sees righteous, the righteousness of Jesus all over me. I'm loved, eternally loved by the Father. And you suddenly feel that warmth flood into your heart. Like, I know I've made a mistake and I want to repent. I don't want to do that again. But oh, Jesus' love for me has forgiven that thing. That's nailed to the cross. And that warmth in your heart, that's the Holy Spirit again speaking to you. He's revealing Christ, the love of God. He's pouring it out into your heart. And the only thing you can do is just receive it. Maybe some of you just need to receive that right now. You've just been carrying things this week. Oh, mistakes you've made, ways you've blown it. That have just, you feel like it's just heavy on you. Oh, God just wants to pull that off. Just remind you of his profound, mighty love for you. And John Owen tries to, tries to explain this. He says, this love persuades us that God in Jesus Christ loves us, delights in us, is well pleased with us, has thoughts of tenderness and kindness towards us. That's what the Holy Spirit does. Persuades us that God in Jesus Christ loves us, delights in us, is well pleased with us, has thoughts of tenderness and kindness towards us. That's what the Holy Spirit is doing when he's pouring out the love of God into your life. He's just reminding you of this. God's deep, powerful, life-changing love for you. His kindness, his tenderness towards you. That's why Jesus calls the Holy Spirit the helper. He comes and helps you to see his love. That's why in Acts it calls him the comforter. Because he comes and brings comfort to your soul. Breathes new life into you. Breathes the Father's love right into your hearts. It's really what, what God does, what the Holy Spirit does. He makes the gospel of Jesus Christ come alive in your hearts. So when I was saying at the start that I want us to, as a church, grow in hunger for God, <laughs> this is what I'm talking about. I'm not just talking about some wacky, crazy thing. I'm saying I want us to grow more and more of our awareness of his profound love for us. Because if the Holy Spirit comes and works on us as a community, that's the first thing he'll do. <laughs> he'll come and show us. He'll come and purify us. Bring to light our sins and failings, but with a purpose in mind so he can pour his love out into us. That's what it means for us as a church, to, to hunger God more is just to delight more in his love and the beauty of who he is, of what he's done for us. Let me pray for us and we'll take communion together. Jesus, we thank you for this profound love. We thank you, Holy Spirit. This is what Amongst many other things, this is the first thing you come and do. God, I want to receive it. 
or we, we find in the book of Acts and through the New Testament where you come again and again and you fill people, not just on Pentecost, but numerous times afterwards, you come and fill them, you equip them. And I pray right now you would come and fill us. And once again, you would pour yourself out into our hearts that we would know you more. That you would pour yourself out into us. That we would just know more of your profound love for us. Oh God, I want that to be the thing that changes me. Not any silly legalism that I impose upon myself. I want to be changed by your power revealing Jesus to my heart. Revealing your love to me. I pray that for us. Give us a hunger for you, God. Holy Spirit, even right now, stir up within us as a community a deep hunger for you that starts first and foremost with, I want to know more of his love for me. God, would you pour it out into my heart again, I pray. Pour it out into us, we ask. Why don't you just take a moment now before God and just in your heart, you don't have to pray out loud, just silently before God, just say, come and come pour yourself out into me again. I want to, if this feels, everything I've said, if it just feels cold to you, I pray that, why don't you just come and ask God that he would shine his warmth into your heart, he would warm you, that this wouldn't just feel like an intellectual thing, but would feel like a real deep thing in your life. Ask him to come and fill you again, fill you with his power, his presence, so that you can know him. Thank you, Jesus.